We're in our seventh week of this, and I'm going to try to got 26 minutes. That's 10 minutes less than I had first service. This could be this could be one of the most important things I could ever say to you this morning about leaving a legacy. I, I wasn't going to call it a legacy of failure, but that doesn't sound really uplifting. I want you to have a legacy of success, but I need you to understand the success comes with a whole lot of failure whipped into it. And, and God knows how to deal with your failure. He knows how to deal with your sin. We just sang about it. And if I could encourage you any one thing about leaving a legacy, it would be this right here. Leave it to the people that come after you. Leave it to your kids. Leave it to, leave it to your, the, your friends. If we, could, if we could get a hold of this one topic about how to deal with failure in your life. So we're going to read from Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse 1. We're going to read through 15. Why don't you stand one more time in honor of reading the word? I'm going to start out in verse 1. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Camri, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And And the men went up and spied it out. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for there are few. So about 3,000 men went up from there, from the people, and, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as she, she, Shebarim, and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? Oh, Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear about it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Isn't it amazing when we get in trouble, we think God is out of options? The Lord said to Joshua, Now I'm going to give you my best interpretation, Chris's interpretation of how God said this. There's an exclamation point behind get up. And this is why I think he said it. Get up. Like walking in on your teenager who was supposed to be at school 15 minutes ago, but slept in. Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus the Lord says the Lord, the God of Israel, 
There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes. And the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans. And the clan that the Lord takes by takes shall come near by household. And the household that the Lord takes shall come near by man. And he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Father, we thank you, Lord, that none of our failures, none of our sins have caught you off guard. You provided a way out. You provided forgiveness by your shed blood. You provided resurrection power. Failure does not have to mark us, God, permanently, but you make us victorious by your resurrection. Lord, we pray that you'd burn that into our hearts this morning. Teach us how to get up. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Give you a little backstory. Israel had just crossed the Jordan River and defeated their first enemy. Let me back up a little bit further than that even. If, you, if you've heard the name Moses and, and you saw the movie Prince of Egypt, maybe. Moses was God's man to lead his people out of slavery, slavery in Egypt. The Israelites had been in Egypt over 400 years. They had been bound for a portion of that time into uh, forced labor, slavery. And God had heard their cry and appointed Moses to lead them out. Now, it wasn't easy. It was difficult. Moses didn't just walk up to Pharaoh and say, hey, we're we're rolling out. God had to do some pretty crazy, miraculous things in the form of plagues in order to get Pharaoh to let those people out. And then even after he let them out, he chased them down with a thought of killing them. God had delivered those people over and over and over and over again. And they ended up making a pivotal mistake, not trusting him in a certain spot. And they ended up having to wander around. It was actually the first time they were, God intended them to go over and take the land he had promised. This is a promise dating back to the original patriarch, Abraham. And, and now we're seeing the fulfillment of it. The children of Israel had walked around in the wilderness for a generation, for 40 years, for disobeying God. They had walked around 40 years. A generation of people died. There's a couple people out of that that lived through the whole thing, Joshua being one of them. And now, fast forward, it was Joshua's time to lead. Moses is dead. Joshua is tasked with leading the Israelites actually into the promised land and taking hold of the promise that God had made so many years ago. They cross the Jordan River, and the first city they come to is Jericho. Jericho is a fortified city. Some of you may have heard the story of them walking around Jericho seven times, and the walls falling down. And uh, in the old school Pentecostal church, we used to walk around the buildings. Thank God none of them fell down. I don't know why we would walk around a church building. That'll mess with your head a little bit. 
They walked around. It was a very unique way to win a battle. The Israelites piled up around Jericho and God's instructions to them was walk around the building, once a, once walk around the city, which the city was had giant thick walls that you could build. They had houses inside the walls. They were to walk around once a day for six days, not make a sound. And on the seventh day, walk around seven times. On the seventh time, scream a war cry and blow trumpets. Now, it wasn't the three-valve trumpet thing. It wasn't a flugelhorn. It wasn't anything like that. They were like ram's horns. So they were to blow these horns on the seventh trip around. And God was going to do something miraculous. I don't know if it was an earthquake. I don't know what happened. But the, the Bible says that the walls crumbled to the ground. The Israelite army rushes over the walls and slaughters everything inside. The order from God was to kill everything. Now, I know this goes against our warm, fuzzy culture nowadays, but this is the Old Testament. Kill it all. The other directive they had was to not keep any, anything for themselves. Gold, silver, sacred things, don't, don't keep anything. God called it the devoted things. And they were to take it and, and, and gather it up for, for, the, for the priest. The priests were to keep hold of it. Now, this is actually a very good strategic military move that God had here. Because if, you, if, if the Israelites, who had just been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, I wouldn't call them rich. The first city they run into, they get to loot it, each person for themselves. Don't you think there'd be a little envy and jealousy and, 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 and factions starting? But like, well, you got more than me. Well, I killed more people than you did. So God says, don't keep any of it for yourself. This was a command from God. This, wasn't, this was Old Testament. This wasn't playtime. God said, this is how I want you to do it. As long as you do it the way I want you to do it, you will continue to succeed. All right. They defeat Jericho. Everything seems fine. You can imagine the after party. I don't know how much span of time was between Jericho and the next town, the next city they came to, but AI is the next place. And it seems to me that they had gotten a little confident. Joshua sends a couple spies up to Ai, and they make the trip up there, and they come back, and they say, hey, Joshua, I mean, come on, man. We just, like, walked around a, a city, and it fell down. Send two or 3,000 guys up there. This is going to be a, this is gonna be like an afternoon trip. It's going to be like going to the mall. So Joshua says, okay, that sounds good to me. Let's send 3,000. 3,000 fighting men go up to Ai and get their butts kicked. Now, have ever, anybody ever suffered a defeat here? Anybody ever have a failure in the room? Come on, say amen. Yeah, had a failure in the room. Anybody been so sure of themselves right before a failure? Those are the best, aren't they? Like, like you put money on the game. A lot. You were so confident, and then your boy didn't show up. You were so confident that you could pull it off. And you didn't make it happen. You were so confident. They sent 3,000 guys. They're like, hey, this isn't a big deal. We'll just send 3,000. No need to send the whole team up. Just send 3,000. It'll be fine. They go up there. Now, now listen what happens. It, they had just destroyed 
fortified Jericho and never lost a man. The Bible doesn't indicate there were any casualties in the battle against Jericho, none. Now they go up to Ai, out of 3,000 men, the men of Ai kill 36. Anybody ever, anybody see anything like, seems like a small number to turn around and run. After 36 Israelite men fall, it says their hearts melted like water. They had no fight left in them. They turned around and ran back to camp. They were devastated. How could this happen? What, what is going on? How, what in the world? They get back to camp. And Joshua's response is actually unbelievable. The Bible says Joshua is leading the whole nation. The Bible says that Joshua gets down on his face and accuses God. Now, I'd like to say as a pastor that's been doing this 20 plus years that I've never done that. Oh, but I have. Anybody else in the room? Your first reaction was to go, God, why'd you let this happen? Joshua even, even it's worse than just blaming God. He says, if you'd have just left us on the other side of the Jordan, we'd have been fine. We'll get to that part in a second. Joshua blames God, first thing. Why did you let this? How could you let us go up there? How could you? How could you? How could you? And then he starts to rationalize in a human way why it was wrong to, for God to do this. And you know, you know, our enemies are going to surround us now, wipe our name from the planet. And what are you going to do after that? What's your plan after we're not here anymore? How are you going to defend yourself? Do you see how irrational it is to try to rationalize your failure to God? as if God didn't know it was going to happen, as if God didn't have a plan to get past your failure, as if God was caught off guard like, whoa, I didn't expect you to run. They, uh, so I just talked to you about, that was kind of a leadership failure. Let's call it a leadership failure. Joshua has a massive leadership failure. He's, he's leading the whole country, and his first knee-jerk response to the first failure is to blame God. He doesn't own it. He doesn't step into it. He just blames God. Now, there's another failure in this story, and it's a failure of sin. There's a guy named Achan, who you can imagine probably grew up in the wilderness, probably grew up eating what the Bible calls manna. They'd go out every morning, and they'd collect this flaky stuff that would fall like dew, and they would fix it up, and they would make like manna cakes, manna whoopie pies. I don't know. They are making all kinds of stuff with it. God sustained them on this food while they were going around in the wilderness. So I imagine Achan probably grew up in that manner of, of God sustaining them and God giving them enough. The Bible says that their clothes didn't wear out and their shoes didn't wear out. And God sustaining them, God sustained them. How many of you has God sustained over the years, but gold still looks shiny? Amen? So Achan probably grew up with God sustaining their every need. But, they, but the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Achan runs up in there, does his stuff, fights the battle, 
gets, kills everybody, and then he sees the shiny things. He knows that God said, don't touch the devoted stuff. Don't you dare keep it for yourself. It's not for you. It's going to go to the priest. Just don't keep it. But Achan says, man, that's a really nice robe. That's like a Brooks Brothers robe. Single stitching, it's, it's nice. And there's some gold there. Man is good, but gold is awesome. It's a whole bunch of silver. Somehow he takes like a wheelbarrow load of this stuff back to his tent. Buries it under his tent. Hides it. They, um, doesn't say anything about it. Matter of fact, probably figures he got away with it. He um, allows Israel to come up with a battle plan for the next fight, knowing that Joshua said that God would be with them as long as they listened and obeyed. And so this guy buries it, lets them come up with a strategy knowing that his sin was going to affect things. So, so it's, uh, Joshua doesn't know this happened. A lot of people don't know it happened. Achan has buried this sacred stuff in his tent, and now the whole nation has suffered for it. That's the thing. That's where we're at now. We have a failure of sin and a failure of leadership. Now, now let me say this. If you have a plan to be successful, there will be seasons in your life where you have to deal with sin and you have to deal with failure. Can I get an amen? And, and if none of you have ever sinned or failed, that's weird. Um, if you plan to be God honoring, then there are gonna be times in your life where you have to de- deal with failure and you have to deal with sin. Because there's... Our lives don't work like this. Our lives don't work like Jesus forgives us of our sins and then we don't sin anymore. Amen? Amen. That's not how it worked with me. But when Jesus went to the cross, he was the last sacrifice for all sin. He was it. And so we don't live in the Old Testament where it was like sin, sacrifice, sin, sacrifice, sin, sacrifice. Jesus completed it. He, he, was the, he was the last. He was the fulfillment. He was the completion of all the stuff in the Old Testament. So he completed the whole thing. So in that point in time, Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed for us. That was, the, that was completion. It, it satisfied the, the, the need for punishment. It satisfied it. And so when I come to Christ, he forgives me of all the sins that, have I, that I've committed up to that point in time. But because he satisfied it, he's also forgiven me of the sins that I will commit. Oh, and there's still some. I still got a few. So he's forgiven me and he will forgive me. That's, that's the age we live in. We are forgiven. Amen? That's good stuff. We are. You can wake up tomorrow morning and say, we are forgiven. I am forgiven. You can wake up 20 years from now and say, I am forgiven. But the common thread for everybody in the building is that we are continuing to sin. 
So, so Paul tells us this in Romans, Romans 3.23 says, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. So if you read that, if you read that 20 years from now, it'll be as true as it is today. We've all sinned and we all continue to sin. Jesus dying on the cross forgave us of our sins, but him resurrecting gave us the power to resist sin. Paul would later on go into saying Romans 6 that you don't, you don't have to keep sinning. You don't have to keep sinning. Should we, he says, should we go on sinning that grace may abound? Absolutely not. We shouldn't just keep sinning because there's forgiveness tomorrow. No, no, no. The fact that he has forgiven us and given us a better way should make us to want, not want to sin as much. Amen? That's what we in church call sanctification. We're becoming more like Jesus, which means there's less sin in our lives. So if you've served God for 40 years, you probably sin less than me. Good for you. That's how it's supposed to work. The Holy Spirit in you. The power of resurrection. Amen? Okay. That doesn't mean we're sinless. It means we sin less. So we're working towards that. So every stage of your life, you've got to have a strategy about how to deal with it. By the way, sometimes you fail in leadership and it has nothing to do with sin. Ooh. Sometimes failure doesn't have anything to do with sin. Joshua wasn't the one that sinned here. But his response to the failure was wrong. So what do we do? We got to have a strategy about how to deal with sin and failure in our life. What are we going to do? Well, let me, let me say this. The first thing you need to do is just own it. Just own it. Quick. Own it quick. I did it. You know how much it could have saved? It could have saved 36 lives in Israel if Achan, the day after he buried it, had a went up to Joshua and said, hey, man, I blew it. He might have found some grace. He might have found a little freak. He may have. I don't know. But if he'd have walked up to Joshua and said, hey, man, I blew it. I, 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 I've been, man, I've been eating manna for 37 years, and I just saw the gold, and I thought, I'll buy a steak tomorrow. I don't know what his reason for it was, but he said, I was just, man, I just coveted the thing. If he'd have just came forward, here, here's a philosophy I have. It's better to confess than get caught. Come on, somebody say amen. It's better to confess. If they've got to do an investigation, it always turns out worse. If, if I remember when I was a kid, if my parents had to do an investigation, it always meant I got more spanking, not less. If they had to call somebody and find out where I was, they all, it always turned out worse than if I called them and told them. We can't trust you anymore. We had to call and search you down and you weren't where you told us. We can't trust you. Yeah, you're right. But if I'd have called and said, hey, this is where I'm going. If Aiken had just walked up and said, look, I blew it. I was coveting that stuff. I shouldn't have. I blew it. Here it is. Whatever punishment I need to take. But he made him do an investigation. The Bible says that the next morning that Joshua got up, he got everybody by tribe, by clan, by household. He made him go through the whole nation until they got to Aiken. And then he went, I did it. We got no options in. They're going in your tent. They're going to find it. Just own it. In leadership, 
The best advice I've ever gotten was just, hey, if you did it, own up to it. It was your fault. The thing that bothers me so much about Joshua is after all that he had seen God do in his life, in Moses' life, how faithful God had been. All of a sudden, when everything hit the fan, he buries his head in the ground, almost literally covering his head in dirt and saying this, God, why did you bring us across the Jordan? So rather than confess a failure of leadership, he'd rather be back over on the other side of the Jordan living in less than what God wanted him to. I need you to think about this. Every person in here that ever is a leader, wants to be a leader, hopes to be a leader, never settle for less because you won't confess your mistake. Joshua said, it's your fault I'd have been fine just sitting over there not inheriting any of this stuff. That blows my mind. After generations, after all the way back to Abraham, God's been promising this. And because you blew it, because you you didn't lead well, all of a sudden you're going to say, yeah, I'd have been fine back there. I thought, wow, man. I don't ever want to be there. I don't ever want to be at the place where I'm so prideful that I won't take credit for a failure and I'll settle for less than what God has for me. You know what? Over the years, I figured out, just go, I did it. I apologize. I won't do it again. I did it. I said it. I shouldn't have said it. I did that. I shouldn't have done it. I did this. I didn't get permission. I'm sorry. Just eat it right now. Eat it. Just get over it. Just we make mistakes. In your marriage, listen, if you're going to lead in your marriage, own it. If you're going to lead your kids, own it. Don't make them be 20 before the first time they hear you say you're sorry. Because I could tell you something, 20 ain't the first time you made a mistake. Own it early. Just own it. Don't make them do an investigation. By the way, my kids knew when I was wrong. It took a while for me to figure it out. Own it early. The faster we own our sin and failings, the faster we can get on the other side of them and the less people we affect. I'm going to leave you with this last thing. I imagine in a group this size, there's a couple people in here wallowing in some stuff this morning. Maybe it's something you did five years ago, you just can't get over it. Maybe it's a relationship that was busted up because it was your fault. Maybe you had a business fail. Maybe you had relationships fail. Maybe it hasn't worked out well with your kids. You just never got past it. You're just kind of sitting in that space not really ready to take credit, not really ready to get forgiven. You're just sitting there. Can I say this? God's promise is still true. You know what the fascinating thing was? As soon as Joshua took ownership and they found out the sin of Achan, they went into Ai and kicked their butts. It was as if Their failure put God's promise on pause. That's all. It didn't make it untrue. It just put it on pause. So here's, this has become 
This is one of my favorite scriptures now. Just really small. Get up. Man. You can picture Joshua just down on his face. God, how could you let this happen? After all we've been through. Lord, I've worked so hard. Lord, I tried my heart. How could you let this happen? How could it turn out this way? How could we be victorious at Jericho only to come over to this little two-bit town and get our butts kicked? How could you let this happen? You notice God didn't coddle him. God didn't say, I'm sorry, Joshua. He said, get up. That's what he said, get up. You know what he's saying to you today? Maybe the sin that you buried under the tent. He's saying, get up. It's better to own it now than to have an investigation. It's better to own it now. Just get it dealt with. Say, so you feel like a failure this morning. Maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're, Maybe you were trying your hardest and it just didn't work out and you just haven't been able to move past it. He's telling you, get up. Get up. He's looking at Joshua. Joshua's just down in the dumps. Lord, how can this happen? Get up. Don't sit there one more minute wallowing in something that's going to keep you from inheriting everything I planned for you. Don't sit there one more day trying to not take credit for this for what you did. Don't sit there one more day and have the devil tell you, no, 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 just keep your mouth shut. It'll just go away. It'll just blow over. Don't sit there one more day because the longer you sit there, the longer you stay away from God's promise. And God couldn't have the leader of his people laying in the dirt any more than that. So his word to him was, when Joshua got done running his mouth was this, get up. Get up. There's something to be done here. Somebody's got to own this. Somebody's got to man up. Somebody's got to get forgiveness. This has got to be dealt with. And when we deal with it, then there's a promise to be had. That's it. Let's deal with it. Get up, deal with it, and let's move on to the promise. And I can tell you this. I do not, I don't want a single soul here going, well, I'll just sit back here on the other side of Jordan. It'll be good enough. I'll live an average, mediocre life. And I'll just sit back over here, not, not taking hold of anything that God wants me to have. I'll just be fine sitting on the other side. No, 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 no. He brought you across to give you the promise. He brought you across to give you the promise. And he's telling you this morning, get up, get up. Don't lay there. Don't wallow in it. Don't don't blame anybody else. Get up. Take responsibility. Own it and do it now. And allow God's promise to come true in your life. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. We're going to pray that way this morning. Come on, if you're like me, you got some stuff to own today. You got a few things you can own up to. Maybe you're sitting here and saying, well, I don't know anything big. Maybe you've got a bombshell. I don't care what end of the spectrum it's on. Don't sit there any longer. Don't sit there any longer. Don't blame God any longer. Don't blame somebody else any longer. Just own it right now. 
God is telling you, get up. Let's deal with it and let's move on. He's got promises for you. This this coming year, he's got promises for you. But the only way that's going to happen is if you get up. Shake the dust off your head. Get up and deal with it today. Deal with it today. You're not going to shock God. He already knows what's in the tent. He already knows what's buried in there. You're not going to shock him. Just deal with it. 